conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back, as is Jonathan Lally. We're not talking MCU today, but we are still talking Marvel because we are discussing Logan. And this movie came out in 2017. It was directed by James Mangold. And, you know, I haven't really touched too much on the X-Men movies, if at all, with this podcast. I don't know. After 100 episodes, everything blurs together. I've definitely (laughs) done a lot of Marvel things, but... You know, with the X-Men movies, it was one of those things where there were a couple, maybe a few movies that everyone sort of agreed on about how good they were. And then the rest, it was kind of like, okay, those were some movies. (laughs) Yeah. And then we got (laughs) to Logan, which is this big final salvo for the character. And I was just amazed with how well this worked because it was rated R and you know, we were seeing Hugh Jackman as Wolverine for presumably the last time. I don't think they're going to revive him at all. And obviously, spoilers, this movie is two years old, though, by now. So if you haven't <laughs> seen it yet, I just shame on you. <laughs> shame on you. Yeah. Also that. Yes. But Jonathan, I know you love Marvel in general. So you being on the Avengers Endgame episode <laughs> as your first episode one was probably a pretty daunting task for you since it was the first roundtable episode that I happened to do as well. But, you know, with X-Men, there's so much to discuss. But I think Wolverine is one of those characters who was really at the core of a lot that happened. And now that, you know, you have the Disney buyout of Fox and this great swan song, it's like, okay, you know, we can put Wolverine to rest. You know, Fox closed that out properly in my opinion. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, the cast and characters they were able to put together for this movie. You didn't need all of the X-Men in it to say goodbye to Wolverine or anything like that. You really just needed a core group of characters. Absolutely. I, that was one of the things that when I was rewatching this film, I was like, you know, it's really funny that they went with, uh, I mean, obviously Xavier makes sense and to see him, in this state, in this film, is so unlike how we've seen Patrick Stewart play this character in the past. Yeah. Um, But you always knew he was capable of it because it's Patrick Stewart. (laughs) um, So I guess it wasn't too much of a surprise, but it was was still welcomed. For me, X-Men, you know, we talk about uh, Marvel, obviously, but like X-Men is what started it all for me when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, if you were asked my parents, they would tell you how obsessed <laughs> I was. Uh, I think, I think it actually started with the cartoon on Saturday morning. I think it was Fox, uh, the, 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 the X-Men, t- the cartoon show. And, uh, then started reading the comics only really ever read. And I think I might've discussed this a little bit on our last our last episode, but, uh, I didn't read a ton of comics outside of the X-Men. Uh, my favorite characters were Wolverine and Gambit. And that was it. (laughs) Like those, I liked every, you know, I loved the show and I was very happy with it. And when the movies started coming out, I'll never forget. I was, um, at summer camp. I was a kid and my parents, uh, in between sessions, 
came by and took me out of the camp for a few days while they were changing hands and, and getting ready for new campers. I had happened to stay multiple sessions at the summer camp and we went to Lake Tahoe and all I remember was just get me tickets. I want to go see X-Men. That was such a big deal to me. And of course, as a kid, you know, just like I feel like with movies like the Star Wars prequels, I'm sure I probably gave a lot of things a pass because I didn't really realize what a good film looked like or played out like at that point. So, yeah, I mean, we can go in and discuss this more at length, but yeah, there are so many X-Men movies that came before it and things in that universe and some that worked and some that clearly did not and we try and forget about. And I, I agree. I think Logan was, you know, just the perfect send-off for this character. And, and I didn't want to... A lot of people afterwards were talking about how great it would be to get a Deadpool-Logan team up, and I... I wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> I was just like, let him be. Like they gave him the perfect story. Don't don't kill it. Don't take back, you know, the deaths that you've earned just for money's sake. And I think that he's done. I think Patrick Stewart's done. I think I remember reading after they filmed this and they watched a cut of it for the first time together that they both got kind of like teary eyed and both agreed this is it. I don't think we could ever, we can't top this. So, right. uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, like I said, we'll go into all the reasonings behind this, but there are a lot of things that make this just such a, a standout film, not just in general, but also amongst those specific movies, that, that uh, franchise, I guess, on Fox's end. Yeah, plus you really have four mutants that this movie focuses on for a good majority of it. And even then, it's really only three of them who are absolutely crucial to the story. You have Logan, Charles, Laura, and Caliban. Caliban, yeah. And those four sort of make up this core group. Eventually, it ends up being two different trios of them together at almost all times. So you have that going on. And then you have Pierce, who is you know, the villain hunting down all of the mutants. And, you know, he has this robotic arm and Boyd Holbrook just totally goes all in with that role. (laughs) I love him. I love him. And I, oh, he, he did such a great job with that, that character. And I had only seen him in uh, Narcos, I believe. Narcos? Yeah. yeah. He, was in, he was in the first two seasons of Narcos, and he plays it pretty straight-laced in that show. And so the I don't know if it was just how they wrote the character or if they gave him a bunch of room to kind of be creative, but I thought he was such a great bad guy. He's very menacing. And you don't typically... I know it's hard to compare the Fox Marvel or any other Marvel properties to the proper MCU Disney properties, but... Um, they've always had kind of a villain problem and I feel like, uh, Boyd Holbrook really kind of fills that spot well. Um, and, and it's funny, like he, he kind of shines in comparison to like the other guy that comes in at the end. I forget his name, the scientist, the one that basically. Dr. Rice. Yeah. Dr. Rice. I felt he was fine, but he's just like. I felt like he was, if anything, like my one problem with the movie, and it's once again so small, and it's like if I had to make myself pick something, is that I didn't really care about him so much because 
he came in so late into the movie. I guess he comes in like probably almost three fourths of the way into the film. Yeah. Um, and I guess they started to tease that with uh, what apocalypse, right? Like they started. Honestly, I did not watch Apocalypse. Oh, <laughs> it's like God. the one X Men movie that I haven't watched simply because people were like, you know, you don't need it. <laughs> yeah. No. I, mean, <laughs> I might I, watch uh, it eventually, but it's one of those things where I'm just like, you know, everyone I know who saw it was not very fond of it at all no, so i feel not good. okay skipping it there is one scene there is one scene though that ties it and kind of foreshadows actually what happens in logan um where they go to alkali lake and they actually uh stumble upon i forget what he's called in the comics when he i guess x23 okay she's x24 but it's like they had i remember i used to have or the like, other way around it's something like that yeah it was uh I just remember having the action figure for it when I was a kid where it's like he's got that crazy mask that goes over his head and he's got uh, like all of these tubes coming out of him. It's like when he's like actually getting the adamantium injected into him. And there's a scene in Apocalypse, which honestly doesn't even feel like it belongs. It just feels like out of nowhere where they discover Logan. He kills a bunch of people on his way out. In what is otherwise a pretty PG-13 movie, this scene just feels just really odd and out of place, and it would feel fine in Logan. But yeah, he he's introduced, and they more or less, I believe there's an end credit scene in Apocalypse where they go to Alkali Lake, and they have all these people you know, picking up samples, and they basically get some of his blood. Okay. And that's where they start to foreshadow that they're going to do something with it. Um I believe. Yeah. That's not I something you Laura have to check out. Laura is X23. Yeah. And then the other. Oh, Logan that's right. He's X24. X24. You're correct. Yeah. yeah. I th- oh, sorry. Weapon X. That's what they used to call it. So yes. I think it was just when he was Weapon X or whatever. And he might have been the first one. They've since had many, clearly. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I. They've done a lot. But I. You know, you can definitely skip Apocalypse, and I <laughs> i don't even know how I feel about the impending X-Men movie that's coming out. Um, Dark Phoenix, yeah. The Dark Phoenix. I don't, I don't have uh, uh, Simon Kinberg, who is directing it. I don't know if he wrote it as well, but he's written some pretty uh, divisive things in the, in the Marvel Universe, uh, I think at least with the X-Men stuff, and I believe he also wrote Fantastic Four, the reboot recently. So um, I don't we'll have see. a lot of faith, but yeah, we'll see. I, I, who knows? Maybe they'll just like try to kill off everyone just because they know it's the end for the Fox X-Men movies. So um, yeah, overall, I'm, uh, I, I, I like this film a lot. It's really hard to pick out things that are wrong with it. <laughs> yeah, definitely solid cast of characters with this one. And like I was saying, you know, there's really only a, a few mutants that it focuses on throughout. So you're not sort of bouncing back and forth all the time. Like, wait, who is this? What are their powers? Right. That sort of thing. And at yeah. the end, when we do see that larger group of the kids who are all mutants, at that point, it's more about survival than learning about those characters in yeah. particular. So the fact that you get so much of them all at once, it actually doesn't detract any from the story which we can go ahead and dive into because you have this you know reluctant logan who is yeah. driving around using the name james howlett as a limo driver and 
you can tell he's kind of miserable, but yeah. he's also just wanting to keep everyone safe. He's always been one of those characters where he acts so gruff and everything like that, but you know deep down he cares. And yeah. that really, really shines in this movie because, you know, he keeps pushing Gabriella and Laura away. And then Gabriella ends up dead, so he's like, "Ah, crap! Okay, I gotta yeah, and go." E- <laughs> and even even with that, it's funny. Like <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't take Laura in until the very last second when he really has to. I mean, even yeah. <laughs> when all those people are descending upon their compound, and he's like, "Let her worry about herself. She's got this." Like <laughs> he's just trying to he's just trying to take care of him and Charles, right? Because uh, he knew that. Uh, uh Caliban had been had been compromised and uh it wasn't really until she quite literally like drops herself in the limo and then he's like okay I guess I'm stuck with you now <laughs> um so he really does it seems like he has an immense amount of trust for the people he knows and he tries to keep that circle small and uh this is just it, it comes out of left field for him um I <laughs> I definitely I agree with you. I think that the fact that they used only a small amount of people and even at, you know, when we'll get to it, we'll talk about it. But like even when they're highlighting the powers of these new kids, it's really just to kind of move the story along. It's not actually for the sake of like, look at this. This is like what this fancy person can do. And these are the fancy powers they have. It's really like, oh, we're still like moving towards this thing that we're going for. And like you might see some stuff along the way, but, you know, it's not it's not a dog and pony show around those kids. It's, it's, you're right. It's really about them surviving and uh, being able to, to start the next chapter because what is it? We're told in this film when it starts out that there hasn't been a mutant birth in like over a decade or something like that. I believe this. Yeah. It's been quite some time and their kind are dying, basically being killed off or just dying off more naturally not necessarily yeah. completely naturally but you know with that ending there it's not like they're trying to usher in the next generation for right. the movies or anything like that so i think it was a good choice to not put too much emphasis on any one of the characters you sort of get a little bit of a handful of them and yeah. then they're on their way and the movie ends and as far as we know they're all fine now because well, all the people going after them are dead. So <laughs> there is a lot of dying in this movie. And there is a lot of death. This movie would not have worked nearly as well if it hadn't been rated R either. You know, yeah, you I fully need agree. that with Logan. If you want yeah. to give him a proper send off, you know, this character is brutal. And if you're going to go for it with Deadpool and give Deadpool an R rating, it's like, okay, you might as well do it with Logan. <laughs> like if you're going to do yeah. it with that, you know. Yeah, I might as well go all out. And I think the closest we got to a Wolverine that was like this one, which is ironic because it's just not a violent movie, really, but X2, the the second X Men movie. I think that's where everyone was really impressed. And for, you know, I think a a lot of people agree that that one kind of set the bar probably until Spider Man 2 came along or something like that. But um, I thought Wolverine was a lot of fun in that movie because, you know, up until then in the first one, he was always like just kind of there. And, and now it's like, Oh, he's got to defend these people. He's got to kill a bunch of folks. But like that was so that, you know, makes it seem like a Disney movie 
in comparison yeah. to what we got in Logan. And um, I, yeah, also, you know, we were talking about how they're naturally dying out. Uh, I believe Caliban mentions at the beginning, uh, he says, your wounds are not healing anymore. They're starting to be more permanent. One of the favorite lines that I had from Charles in this movie, and it's at the very beginning when you first see that what Charles has become, and he says, "He says, oh, so now you recognize me." And he says, uh, "He says, I know who you are. It's just I don't recognize." You know, he said something like, "Oh, now you know who I am." And he says, "I always know who you are. Just sometimes I don't. Lately, I don't recognize you." Yeah. And that is, like you said, it kind of shows that Logan is this very broken down person when we meet up with him again at the beginning of this film. And uh, it's become painfully obvious to even those people around him. I mean, Caliban says stuff all the time about how he hears him dreaming. And uh, you've got Charles and and everyone. I feel like uh, the world is kind of caving in at all sides for Logan when we start in this movie and then it just gets worse. (laughs) So I I do agree though. I do think that the fact that they kept it so small and didn't make this like an end game infinity war type of thing where we got a ton of characters and even Caliban is not really a big character. In fact, I I guess you're right. You wouldn't have known this because you hadn't seen it, but he's, they have a different actor playing him, but he's in apocalypse. Oh, okay. He's actually in apocalypse it's a completely different actor playing him. I think it was actually Nicholas Holt that was playing him. I could no, not Nicholas Holt. What am I talking about? Because he's Beast. Um, but yeah, someone else, a different actor is playing Caliban in Apocalypse. Um, and so it took me a second to kind of put it together because I believe it's like Stephen Merchant. In yeah, this film. in this one, yeah, he it still looks unrecognizable great. pretty yeah. much as the yeah, character. It's unbelievable, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought, yeah, also just the casting. You know, we had talked a little bit about. The guy from Narcos. Uh, Boyd Holbrook. Boyd Holbrook. And he was just so good in this movie. And he's so menacing. And yet there's so many bad guys <laughs> in this movie. Um, that it's, But it still works. They all play their part. Yeah. And I just looked it up. And the actor who played Caliban in Apocalypse was Tomas Le Marquis. I yes. don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly yeah. at all. But I definitely see why they cast him, because he looks pretty close to the character when he's bald. (laughs) Right, right, yeah. He didn't look quite as like he was in such dire straits in uh, in that film. Right, and I think this movie is sort of meant to just show you how bad things are for all of them right now, not just Logan. You know, even with Charles, because they're keeping him medicated just so he doesn't use his powers which are extremely powerful as anyone who has ever paid attention to the character would know and we see that throughout this movie too so what they do a really nice job of with this story is not only showing how broken down things are with the three of them but also just being able to turn things around enough without giving logan a happy ending you know they turn it around just enough to where he cares about someone again And I think that is extremely important because you see how shocked Logan is when he sees what Laura is. You know, she's just like him, slightly different because she has the toe ones, you know, but those uh, feet claws. Yeah. And you see 
the surprise on Logan's face and you see the joy on Charles' face, you know, so they're having two completely different reactions to this. (laughs) But at the same time, it fits so well with who those characters are at their core that it was just such a nice contrast in that moment. And even when they are on the run, basically, and they meet up with that family, you know, their horses get out and they go and help them. And Charles sort of guides the horses back. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was a that was a nice scene. Yeah. And, you know, it's this nice break from the action until things go horribly wrong for the Munsons. And you can tell that it just puts Logan in this situation all over again, because he has to save the girl. He can't save this family. He has to fight someone who looks just like him. He can't save Charles and Caliban basically sacrifices himself to allow for just enough of a distraction for Logan to get Laura and get away. And that moment, it's like, oh, okay, we have a breather. Oh, just kidding. No, we don't. I It was just done so, so well. Yeah. And, and one of the other things I wanted to touch on is that all of the other X-Men movies, um, and, and I guess to an extent, the Logan movie, or I guess the, the Wolverine that came before this, uh, not X-Men Origins, Wolverine or whatever that awful one but um because a lot of people forget that James Mangold directed the Wolverine film before this one right and and I thought he did a very good job given what he had to work with um we got to see some cool stuff from the comics play out on there but what I loved about Logan is that it felt more real it felt more tactile like whereas X-Men it's like oh they've got the you know, they're Blackbird jet or whatever, and they're flying around and they've got these like really snazzy, futuristic looking costumes and like everything is like very bright and like animated, whereas this just felt raw. You know, it just felt raw. I think the most, aside from Wolverine, obviously, and his claws and, and Laura and her claws, and it was really, I think, the only scene we saw any of this type of stuff play out that was even anything remotely like the other X-Men movies, the scene where they're, uh, I believe in, was it Oklahoma? And he has that break and everyone in the hotel basically goes into uh, paralysis. Yeah. And he has to go and kill all those guys in slow motion <laughs> to get into the room. But I feel like that's really, and and like the scene you described where he, that really touching moment where he's able to actually focus his power and, get the horses to come back to the car. That's really it. Everything else is pretty physical and, and just about what is actually happening, less about like the animation and how we're seeing a lot of these powers play out. They're just playing out in a much more raw, normal, uh, grounded way. I thought, and I thought that that, you know, especially considering this movie takes place in the future, yet we're given this like really bleak, uh, future that seems believable. Yeah, and you don't get too many hints of how far in the future it is, but you do see like self-driving big rigs basically on yeah. the road, which is what causes their whole interaction with the Munson family. Yeah, and I believe they said it was uh twenty twenty nine or oh okay, it was like it was like ten years later or something than when we actually saw the movie in twenty seventeen I guess so I think they said twenty twenty nine I could be wrong I, I, now i'm 
I know that you look everything up, so (laughs) (laughs) we'll know in a bit, but I'm pretty sure it was like something like that. But it felt, it felt real. You know, it felt, I love that when movies about the future, even though, uh, they're in the future, like they feel very grounded on earth. I thought like Looper is one of those movies that I felt like, yeah, you've got, it's in the future, obviously, and you've got a handful of things that kind of key you in on that, like devices or whatever, but they're like very uh, tactile, earth feeling. And that's what I like a lot about Logan is that, you know, we're, it's not necessarily like it's, it's their reckoning. It's their, you know, the mutants are all dying out, but everyone else, it's like that scene where he's driving the limo and he's got all the different passengers. And like, I think one is like, a set of like frat guy partiers yelling yeah. USA. <laughs> and then you've got, you know, the, the, the bridesmaids, uh, the bachelorette party, party yeah. the bachelorette party. Yeah. And then it's some guy just on a business call or whatever, but it's like the world continues for those people, you know, nothing, nothing has changed for them, but like everything has changed for the mutants. And it's an interesting way to see it you know, through their lens instead of through the lens of all of these people who are really more or less just the kind of their scenery. Uh, but yeah, I, I really, I, as far as like the look of everything, I was really impressed. I thought, um, and now I really want to go back and watch <laughs> the noir version. Um, yeah, that's what I watched when I rewatched it. And it was just so stunning to watch it that way because yeah. afterwards I went and watched some of the deleted scenes and those were all in color. So I was mm. like, oh, this is weird because I had yeah. just watched the entire movie in black and white. But it was nice to sort of get that feel because it does change things a little bit. You know, like the gore in this movie isn't as prominent, Gory. I guess, yeah. because yeah. it's in black and white. And, you know, gore isn't something that personally bothers me so Mm -hmm. just to sort of experience it a different way i was like oh i could see why a lot of people would really really love this version and it it was just fun to have that option to watch it that way and i'm sure eventually i will probably rewatch it again in you know its original theatrical release form and i just really love what they did with logan's story in this and how they took their time getting him to warm up to Laura and getting her to warm up to him because you have that moment where, you know, they go and Logan buries Charles and then he sort of loses it on the side of the road when the truck won't start again. Yeah. And she ends up taking him to urgent care. And after they leave, that's the first moment she actually speaks, but she's speaking in Spanish Spanish, at first. And She's it's, like cussing him out, isn't it? Isn't she like cussing him out and so. it comes She's out of nowhere? She's like yelling at him. And then she'll translate to English for him too. So she clearly yeah. speaks both languages, but I'm guessing because of where they were at the lab and everything and the fact that Gabriella spoke Spanish as well, right. you know, it's probably something she was just more accustomed to. So you would get her little quick rants in Spanish and, you know, she talks so fast and then she like translates it in English for yeah. him because, yeah. you know, then they don't need subtitles either. Cause it's like, you're still getting the translation from her. And, and I love it when they do that. I love that when what they're saying 
doesn't necessarily need to be translated because it gets, (laughs) there's a reason that they're not showing you the translation. It's going to be explained or it's part of the joke that you're not in on yet. Or body language explains enough of it, you know, and that's something that really comes through with her because she doesn't talk for so much of the movie. And then you have this turning point where he's like, okay, I can actually communicate with her now, even though, you know, her and Charles had this connection and clearly they were communicating without needing to speak to each other, which is another, you know, great moment between those two characters. It's also great. It's also great because at this point we're led to believe that Charles is this old kook. basically, (laughs) Yeah. And that was touching, you know, the connection that they have. And you were talking about body language. God, like the stuff, because she's so quiet this entire movie, it's like she relies on body language to really tell a huge portion of this character's story and and what she's like. And I just remember that scene where he comes up on the hotel and she's like playing with her ball, you know, and that's like a very important thing to her. And then uh, when she is in the compound and... Logan and Charles are outside and, you know, Charles is in the limo and uh, Logan is talking to all the guys and they're sending people in and she's just eating cereal. Yeah. (laughs) She's like cool as a cucumber, knows what's about to happen. And I thought, I do remember that the casting directors and, and I believe James Mangold had said that it was very important to them that they get someone who was also spoke Spanish and, and maybe even, fluent you know that was their first language and english was their second language i don't remember but i do remember reading that that was something that they were really impressed with and thought that made her uh the the girl who plays laura so so awesome and yeah she was just (laughs) it's amazing for a character who doesn't talk a lot we got so much out of her and it's a shame because a lot of people were saying well now are we going to get an x-23 movie um you know, she was so popular and like, of course, the directors and the and the writers were like, well, yeah, of course, you know, we wrote with that in mind, as they say with every movie like this, where there's, you know, it's very popular and you think that it might have legs to do some other stuff. But I honestly don't know what Disney's going to do. I mean, I, I do. Does Disney see this the same way that they see Deadpool? Because they've already said that Deadpool is safe. You know, Deadpool is gonna continue in some sort of way and I, I imagine with ryan reynolds and i don't know if disney's gonna look at this the same way i mean these are stories like you said they're so well contained and you know after everything ends we're you know assume that the kids get away and that they have a happy ending or whatnot and as much as i loved her and yeah i think seeing more of her would be cool i'd be perfectly happy if we didn't you know i i'm i'm I thought that this was just so well contained and it gave me everything I wanted and I don't want that to be sullied <laughs> by, yeah. by something that comes out later. But that said, if they did a movie with her, I would absolutely see it. I just, I have a fear that it won't get made now, you know, with all of these properties now in the hands of Disney, which you know, in a way I'm a huge fan of, but when it comes to Logan, you're like, Oh man, like so many possibilities <laughs> that will never get explored now. For good reason, you know, all the other ones. Yeah, it was like, oh, Fox did something right. <laughs> yeah, Fox did something right. Same with, uh, I guess, uh, Deadpool is theirs too, correct? So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like they did a few things right and too little too late. 
You know, it's just like, yeah. which is unfortunate because you, you know, with this, we saw, I just remember reading when they were shooting it, they said it was going to go follow the old man Logan timeline. And I didn't really know what that was until I looked it up. And when I read that, I was like, this is something that's very intriguing. And then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's going to be rated R. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> they're going to yeah. finally give us the Wolverine that we Deserve. should have been getting. If a guy, well, if a guy's got claws for hands, <laughs> like things are going to get violent. And uh, we never really got that before. We got a little bit of it, but it was not as pronounced. And And like you said, I'm the same way. I don't mind violence. I'm a little... I'm a a little less into it the older I get, especially like with the stuff that's not cartoony. Like I'm fine with a um, a Die Hard movie or like something silly like Army of the Dead or Evil Dead or something like Army of Darkness, excuse me, and Evil Dead. Um, but some of the more serious stuff is like it's it makes it gives me a little bit of anxiety and. I feel like I, I could see why the the noir version for this film would be more appealing to some people. And then yet, like, I watched, I started watching, like, the first five, ten minutes of it where he's cutting up those dudes that are trying to steal his car. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's cool. It still looks cool. But, like, I kind of love the violence of this movie. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like what made this movie so different. And uh, I felt so weird, like, confessing that to myself it's like you really just want to see the violence and like the red and the blood okay like but i'm definitely going to give it a shot again because i i just even watching this film in color you can just tell that it's shot amazing and some of this stuff would look just as good if not better in black and white so i'm willing to put a lot of that aside but yeah i just can't get over you know, one thing I just kept coming back to and i know i've touched on this a bunch but like the visuals how they presented this future, how yeah. they presented a future like this was the most tangible, realistic version of these characters and their surroundings that we've gotten since even, you know, with the first X-Men movie. Everything was just so, you know, uh, fantasy and bright and uh, and rubbery. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like in suits and suits and suits. And it was all about, oh, how do their suits look? And this like does it that couldn't be further from the case here. Like no one no cares suits. about that here. <laughs> and I love I also love, love, love that they make this huge point to talk about the X-Men comics. And there's this scene where he he's in they're in the the hotel in Oklahoma and he says, Half of this shit didn't happen or it didn't happen like this. You know, and I, I love that. I thought that it was one of those few things that could potentially take you out of the moment and make you not like what you're hearing or seeing. And I thought it actually worked very well for this. The fact that he's trying to say, look, we're not as like amazing as you think we are, or that this book makes us out to be shit is way worse. People die. You know, it's not nearly as fun and uh, adventurous and heroic as it seems. And that is, I mean, obviously debatable but it's as you said like a very good indication of where logan is at at this point in his life uh when this when this whole opportunity kind of presents itself um so that was another thing i loved it's just like i said how how real it felt but also uh and uh, also you know grounded in reality the storyline tended to be yeah, I, I I could ramble on. <laughs> I could ramble forever. I want you to touch in and, and and you know touch base and see. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up the visuals as a whole because I feel like sometimes when 
someone mentions the visuals of a movie, especially with superhero movies, your mind kind of goes to the CGI moments. Right. And we obviously have that here because it's not like Wolverine is actually sticking claws through anyone's head. Right. You know, no one was harmed in the making of this movie, as far as I know. (laughs) Yeah. No animals were harmed either, according to the Humane Society. (laughs) So, you know, it's one of those things where you have to have some cgi when it comes to any of these superhero movies some have more than others this one probably had a good amount but i think just how well choreographed the fight scenes were and the look of this sort of dystopian future and you were correct it is 2029 so you know 10 years that's not too far out you know we we might have real yeah we might have self-driving big rigs going down the street Elon musk has his way We'll be there. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Hopefully these won't be causing as many accidents in the future, but yeah. Right. And it felt very realistic in its future. You know, there weren't hover cars or, you know, these (laughs) Jetson-like things going on in this movie. And they didn't make everything so bright and uppity either. It's like, right. no, you know, the future kind of sucks, to be honest, yeah. especially for mutants. For and mutants, exactly. Just getting that whole vibe with this movie, whether you watch the, you know, color version or the noir version, you really get the sense of that. And it's even more dark with the noir version because it's literally in black and white. So you, and you have got those this... nighttime stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the nighttime scenes, it's just like so bleak almost and you yeah. still get that with the color version you know they're, they're in el paso texas when it starts you know it's a lot of desert <laughs> so, yeah. you know yeah. that always makes for a good setting but even when you get to eden which is you know from the comics she's laura is obsessed with finding eden and finding her other mutant friends that she made yeah. during her time at the lab and it's just such a journey that this movie goes on. And I think visually they nailed the tone throughout. And that's just something that's so nice to see with something like this. You don't need this big grand scale thing. Like you said, it doesn't need to be like Endgame or anything right. like that. You just need a movie that is fitting for these few characters in particular. And, you know, the thing with Laura is that she's really young. So if Disney wanted to wait and, you know, hold on to X-23 for a later date, the actress would probably still be the right age. Right. Uh, What's her name? uh, Keen? Daisy Keen? Daphne Keen, I think. Daphne Keen, yeah. Have you watched, I think it might be, I don't know what version of the movie you have, but if you have it on like iTunes, I think you can watch her audition tapes. They're probably on YouTube as well, but you can watch her audition from that film. Um, really impressive. And uh, I agree. I would love, I'm just like at this point, you'll take what they give you. (laughs) I'll take, I'll take what they give me from the stuff that worked out of Fox's properties. Like give me an X 23 movie. Give me more Deadpool. Um, I think that that's realistically it. (laughs) I think, I think everything else is on the chopping block. And when I say chopping block, I mean, rebooting block, and I have fear that they're not going to. Now, obviously, that's not going to – I don't think it's going to negatively impact them at this point. It's just it's just a lost uh, opportunity, a missed opportunity. And I agree. I think she would absolutely play it. 
Uh, I don't know if she's done anything since this film. I would imagine she's, you know, gotten more attention, obviously. But I know that I think that it would have to wait until they see how Deadpool does under Disney because yeah. I don't think it's going to do badly. I think I think that they're just waiting to see, okay, well, how are we going to distribute this? How are we going to market it? Like, I think that they need to get their feet wet first and they will do that with Deadpool. And hopefully, t- you know, too much time hasn't passed at this point for them to remember this. Cause I honestly, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed rewatching this film, but I don't hear a lot of people talk about it anymore. You know, it's yeah. not, not to say that, like, I guarantee you, if you ask some people what their favorite superhero movie is or comic book movie, I'll, I'm sure a lot of them will say Logan, but won't, you know, it wouldn't have been top of mind until that, that question was brought up. And Deadpool is just like so popular. I don't, yeah. see the hype dying down for that one anytime soon and i worry that you know especially since low uh that that hugh jackman and patrick stewart have basically announced that they're not intent on playing these characters anymore um you'd hope that they would want to strike while the iron is hot for any of the other properties or good things that came out of those movies so yeah fingers crossed i just don't have um like i said hopeful yes uh expecting no i don't expect them to but um god that would be great (laughs) i would love to see it yeah well let's dive into some final sort of overall thoughts on this movie because it's clear that we are both in agreement that this was just a fantastic way to send off this character and you know they wrap it up well enough to the point where you know, if we get an X-23 movie, cool. If we don't, this ending still works just yeah. as well. You know, like I said, it wasn't like they were spending this entire movie building up to what comes next, which, you know, that's something that people have been relatively critical of in the MCU. It's like, oh, okay, you know, this movie is yeah. just a stepping stone for this to happen. And that's fine, because I think with Infinity War and Endgame, a lot of fans got what they were hoping for out of those two movies as this big grand finale. And Logan is not a character who wants a grand finale. You know, he just does not. He is going to go out on his own terms and he's going to act like he doesn't care about people, even though he does. And that's exactly what they accomplish with this movie. And, you know, there were so many good moments in it. I don't know if I can even pick out some favorite oh, ones yeah. just because I, oh. I like the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, I feel the same way. I um, I love the so some of the more comedic stuff is what I actually took away from this. I mean, the whole movie's great, but there's a scene where they're at the uh, gas station and she tries to basically unknowingly shoplift doesn't really know what she's doing almost almost takes out the uh attendant for pointing out that she has to pay for this stuff but the the funniest scene to me is when logan comes in stops her you know says something like oh do you have phone chargers and then he pulls some cigars out of the out of the uh little little area and i thought for people that know his character he loves smoking cigars and calling people bub and or at least in the comics, I believe that's how it was. And I think in the, in the cartoons. And so I thought that was kind of a, <laughs> kind of a neat little uh, Easter egg for people that have followed the character even loosely, I think would have picked up on that. I also just like, 
any scenes back and forth with him and Charles. Yeah. Any any of the stuff that where they're talking, you know, I've always really appreciated their interactions together. But like I said, this is just so real feeling. Like I think even at one point, Charles tells him like "fuck off" or something like that. Yeah, and I, he does. It's just not what you're expecting. <laughs> and uh, I love that. I love you know even the small amounts of humor that we got in this film were very good and. Uh, Oh, yeah, it's it's really it's really tough to pick out um, a top scene. I or you know the the scenes that stick out to you because this whole thing. I mean, just like there's there's definitely sequences like the right. whole sequence of them getting away from the like, just basically everything from her walking out and tossing that head on the ground to them finally escaping that whole scene and how it plays out is just one of the coolest things I've ever seen. But um, yeah, it's it's so hard to pick out, you know, like I think you had mentioned earlier, one of the scenes that was really nice was Charles calming the horses. Yeah. Um, it was just, just like one of those scenes that didn't need a lot of dialogue, but it worked. And uh, yeah, those are those are some off the top of my head. What about you? Yeah, I just think that the whole sort of acting like a little family on the road thing worked really well for them. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, they're kind of all the right ages for this to pan out the way they are hoping it will. And when Laura is at the Munson house, you know, she goes up to the boy's room and right. he kind of just lets her use his iPod or his phone. I'm not really sure which it yeah. is at this point because, you know, the, they kind of look the same now. But Could have been a Zune. Yeah. You know, it's the future. <laughs> I still have a Zune. So oh, you never know. I hope you have the brown one. I hope you have the brown one. The, 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 they had a brown color. <laughs> they did. I think I have a black one. I'd have to okay. look. But I just love that scene from Guardians where he's yeah. <laughs> joke. But yeah. Uh, I, yeah, he, where he's sharing and he's going over his trophies with her yeah it's just sort of this nice little interaction with someone who isn't really her same age but someone who is much closer in age to her than anyone right. she's encountered so far so you just get this sense of she really just wants to find where Belong. she fits in yeah. yeah and you see that happen later on obviously when they do meet up with all of the other kids but just on this journey, she's like stuck with these two old dudes. <laughs> and, yeah. you yeah. know, <laughs> you just need a little break from that. And she gets that. And then, you know, like I mentioned earlier, things obviously go horribly wrong. But I actually wanted to mention one of the deleted scenes mm -hmm. from that dinner, because I went through and I think there's like seven, eight minutes worth of deleted scenes. Mm. And one of them mentions Jean Grey. Oh, interesting. And it's at the dinner scene, and Charles is just like, yeah, he killed her. And it oh. was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Just like, wow, they really almost went there with that moment. And you can sense just like all of the air being sucked out of the room, and there's so much tension between all of the characters in the room at that moment. And, right. you know, Mrs. Munson, she kind of just has this look on her face like, who did we just invite into our yeah. house? And <laughs> I love when it starts coming together for them too, you know, with the Munsons when I forget, I think it's when he's helping them, you know, the water has been turned off and yeah. they have to go to the water thing. And I think he says something that kind of reveals that he knows who they are, or at least knows what they are. He right. says something like, how long have you been a mutant? Oh, you know, forever for me. 
I, I I read that in early drafts of the script, they had actually written in a uh, flashback scene which showed Charles basically destroying everyone at the X mansion, and that it was just too dark and bleak for an already dark movie. Um, they just didn't end up shooting it, but they had written in early versions of the draft that were going to show flashbacks from what he did, and uh, I. Yeah, I, I I loved all the stuff with the family. I thought it and it, it made it so much more gut wrenching when they get killed. Right, <laughs> you're just like, oh no! Like the only nice people we've met in this whole movie, <laughs> like everyone's everyone's got a chip on their shoulder. Even the nicest of the mutants, you know. I guess like I guess Xavier doesn't really count, but you know, Caliban is cold and 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 calculated and and a little upset. Um, and they're like the nicest people we meet. <laughs> so it's only fitting that they die awful deaths, obviously. But um, that scene also where that guy has just lost his entire family and then he points the gun at him and then ends up dying anyway, or he shoots and it's not, ta- you know, it's not full. I, I, I thought that was a really interesting scene because I could understand and commiserate with that guy, with the Munson, the head of the Munson family, because he just watched his whole family get killed because of this guy, you know? And it's just like, he, he didn't know. I th- That was such a, in, an interesting moment for me in the film. I had forgotten about that, you know, five, 10 seconds or whatever until I rewatched it today. And I remember my mom turns to me and she says, so why is she trying to shoot him? And I said, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of stewing on that, but I think that's, a, that's what it is. It's like, you basically just ruined my life. I'm about to die you know, I can't let you get away with this. And then surprise guns, not loaded, you know? So, um, that whole thing with the family was really interesting to me and really set up how brutal X 24 was. I thought that was a good way to introduce his characters, just have him massively fucking up a bunch of people. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought, I thought that was good. And I thought all the scenes, like I said, with Charles and Logan exchanging dialogue were enjoyable. Yeah, and sometimes when you do things like what they did with the Munson family, that can really take you out of a movie. And I know that's yeah. been a complaint when some movies have like taken you to this sort of different location that you necessarily wouldn't have thought they needed to go to. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. In this case, it did. And I think it worked really well as a turning point for the movie because i think it comes somewhere in the middle of the movie yeah and there's still so much left to do after that it's like okay they have to keep moving unfortunately you know they can't stay back and help sort this out and clean this up because they're mutants and people are after them there's no time to waste and it just really sums up everything that is going on in the future and how things are and yeah, anyone who helps a mutant is fair game in, oh, yeah, you know, the hunter's that. eyes, basically. So, yeah, because yeah. I guess uh, th- that explains I always tried to understand why they it was it was kind of I felt like suggested that they killed that gas station attendant that came in. You know, they lock the doors and you don't really see what happens. But, you know, he helped them in a small way, even though I, I don't think they really understood to what extent that that guy helped them, you know, yeah. just kind of not reporting them, I guess. But the the thing you mentioned where you said that where the characters go off to this weird place, 
I immediately thought of two movies. Of course, they're from the MCU. I thought of Age of Ultron, where they stick him at Clint's farm. And I thought of uh, uh, Iron Man 3, where they put him at... In Tennessee. Ty Simpkins. <laughs> yeah, in Tennessee, that house. And you're just like, what's this for? Uh, but here, it felt like it worked. And it, it yeah. was so brief here. Whereas like in those movies, it felt like it dragged on and on and on. And here, it was like, oh... Okay, like I'm actually starting to enjoy this. Oh, surprise, they're gone. You know, like I I thought that was good. I thought I don't think I really realized why it was good until you pointed that out. It's just like it didn't become this like, you know, slow middle act of the film thing that served no purpose. It did serve a purpose. It was and it was, you know, a small but important one. Uh so that was yeah, I I did enjoy that whole thing with the family being involved. Yeah, it was a nice moment until it wasn't. <laughs> and yeah. you really, it just hits you so hard. And you're like, Oh, man, I had forgotten about that moment, too. I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah this happens. You know, innocence, <laughs> no one likes innocence getting killed, especially like, and it's funny, we didn't even spend a lot of time with them. But based on how they treated our characters, we like them, right? You know? <laughs> we like them because they had a good connection with them and weren't awful pieces of shit like so many of the other people in these films and and they uh, let laura eat like a maniac so yeah yeah they let her go go to town on the food so it was it was nice but uh i thought you know everything i don't think we've talked a lot about the other kids i i know that we had said it was nice that they didn't make this huge focus on them but the way that they all banded together at the end was really impressive and i also yeah. really liked that we got so, oh, another scene I forgot to mention, and I didn't even catch it on my rewatch, but I'm now remembering it, is where Logan wakes up and they've given him the haircut. Because like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's like more, it's more like true to the comics or his early yeah. version. I think it was more his early version of the Wolverine in the, in the movies, I think had haircut like right. that. So that was kind of a nice callback. But um, I love that they're basically in a tree house, once again, going with like this like very down to earth feel of everything even though once again in the comics that they're reading eden is like this big beautiful shiny comic booky looking place and when we get there it's like essentially a tree house yeah it's very simplistic looking and they are very manual in their ways yeah, you know they literally right. pull logan, logan all up. the way up you know they have one of the girls who is clearly has she clearly has like super strength or something because she's the mm -hmm. one sort of getting him up and turning the thing so they can you know load him off of the stretcher that he's on basically right. and you have one of the kids who is sort of i wouldn't necessarily say in charge but right i know who you're talking about though yeah yeah and he kind of just helps get logan better and lets him sleep and sort of keeps everyone away from him as much as he can anyway you know the kids are yeah. kind of going to do their own thing they are kids after all but it was just one of those moments where you could see that this group of kids had really banded together and they were also in survival mode they just had yeah. more people they were surviving with <laughs> there was even a scene where he was arguing with laura early on and she starts reciting all of the names of the kids that yeah. she wants to find and i thought that was actually a really powerful scene and that's right after she starts talking for the first time yeah and she's like going through the photo and like i th I think she has a photo and she's like naming them all off and, yeah 
that becomes, you know, how apparent that they're they have a strong bond, and and you know, she is very set on finding these people again. But I remember, you know, shortly after that scene, I don't remember what happens. I think he just takes a nap basically, and then we wake up, and all the kids are running. If I recall correctly, like he wakes up, and they've already left. I think. Like yeah. they're trying to make a run for the border, I believe. And yeah, uh, they they said they were going to leave before dawn, so right. he and has he overslept basically. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing happens when they actually arrive. You know, Laura can apparently drive, and right. she gets them the rest of the way there and just lets him sleep. And by the time he wakes up, she's already like halfway up the mountain. <laughs> yeah, you know, yelling for holding him. her own. Yeah, yeah. and so. You can tell that he's, you know, really reaching the end of his capacity because either the adamantium or something else inside of him is poisoning him. Right. And then you just see him, you know, maybe 10 minutes later, just go all out because he knows it's sort of his last moment to do the right thing. And he's not going to let all of these kids die, even though Logan is not great with kids. You know, that's right. pretty apparent from the start. Yeah, yeah. I think we've all established, I just remember all of his interactions with the X-Men kids in the, in it's the like, first nope, two films. It's like, nope, no thank you. <laughs> he's try, I, remember he, I remember he has to, uh, I think he had to jumpstart Cyclops' car or something, and he's telling the kids not to touch anything in the car. I just remember that from the X Men movie. But yeah, he's never been great with kids. I mean, he, like you said, he's like this unwitting uh, hero that doesn't want to admit he cares about people. But you look throughout the uh, films he's been in in his arc, he's cared about Rogue, he's cared about Jean, he's cared about Laura. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing some others, but he cares and he protects people. I think having it be that he's protecting these kids, I guess he did a little bit of that in the X-Men films, but um, I also, like you said, he goes full blown on all that serum, which I don't know if it counts, but someone used to tell me it was like berserker mode or something. Like he would, he would, he would have this thing. I think he also had it in like the X-Men video games that you could play berserker Wolverine. I'm going to now look this up and text it to you after we're done. (laughs) It sounds uh, like it would be accurate for Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. I think a lot of like a lot of, uh, similar to what we got in Endgame with those characters. I think we got a lot of fan service things in this movie, uh, same way, you know, with, with the Wolverine character and, uh, yeah, that last you know scene where he's hunting everyone down in the forest was one of the craziest things I'd ever seen. And everything where he's fighting X twenty four, it just seems brutal. Yeah, that was that was tough. And then like, I don't think I actually really realized that they were going to kill him until it actually happened. Like, I still think I was in. Even though you're right, the writing was on the wall. He was getting visibly uh, worse. As the movie went on and as, you know, even when we start the movie, he's like just not in great shape. I felt that was cool, you know, seeing him on his last legs, just give his all. But in addition to that, I felt like his death was very poetic. The funeral that he got with the, you know, pile of rocks, basically. And then she turns. (laughs) I thought that was also a great nod. where She turns the cross into an X at the end, which was just, I thought, pitch perfect for that series. I thought like that worked so well. It's almost like they should have just ended the X-Men movies with this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. I honestly I 
I think a lot of people saw that film and said they just stop here, but because it's not an X-Men movie, they weren't going to. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, I I guess this, who knows if we'll even get the new Mutants movie that- I think is, it just got pushed back again or it something. It got pushed so. back again, and yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> at this point, I don't know how you feel about that film. I don't know, once again, enough, I don't know enough about that franchise. I never read. It looked like it was going to be a horror film, yeah. basically, yeah. and I was so into that idea that I'm really disappointed that this might- be something that just keeps getting pushed until it disappears uh maybe it'll be something that they put on their streaming service you know to like pad it out when it yeah, comes out maybe. you know when disney I, when disney plus comes out you know it could be that i think they just spent too much money on it to do that you know i think it yeah. has to have some sort of theatrical release if it's going to right. come out and they had an impressive cast too yeah and they finally killed the gambit movie i believe but oh, yeah so I, about that. But as, yeah, as far happen. as logan goes i think it should have been the end but i get yeah. why it didn't have to be the end because it wasn't a quote-unquote x-men movie even though yeah. the main guy charles is dead so it's like yeah. do we really need to wrap things up because from what i can tell dark phoenix is going back in time to a younger Jean Grey. So it's like, wait, what's going on here? Do we need this? Yeah. What, well, she what was the Jean happening? Grey. She was the Jean Grey in Apocalypse that was introduced in the in, Okay, in, see? So, it's Sophie Turner. I miss one movie and this is what happens. Yeah. Those are all <laughs> the new X-Men uh, plus Quicksilver. <laughs> so, I mean, you pretty much, the new X-Men lineup right now in the movies, I don't think Magneto is part of it when we start uh when we when we when we see Dark Phoenix, I don't think he's gonna be part of the X Men, but he's okay. in the movie. I know he's in the movie. I suspect that uh, this will be, yeah. I mean, this will definitely be the last we hear of the X Men out of the Fox side of things. But, yeah, um, and who knows who they'll keep on board or if they'll just I don't recast think everything. It's crazy. I think they're just gonna recast everything. I think and they the should. Only exception. I think they should too. And I think it's crazy. I've had conversations with friends of mine who have their own. Uh, movie podcast and uh, uh, shouts to Mad About Movies. Um, those guys are awesome, but they, it's funny. My friend Kent, he is like convinced that they're going to keep some of them. And I'm like, why wouldn't they just reboot the entire thing that doesn't make any sense to keep some of them around? Like I said, Deadpool makes sense because it is just such a uh, powerhouse at the box office and it's established and they don't really need, they could even write some of those things out and still have it work. Yeah. Um, but I just don't see it happening with these older existing characters. And Deadpool was never like truly tied to those X-Men movies. So I feel like that's just a whole different ball game there. But right. I think we can wrap up this Logan discussion before we dive too far into a tangent <laughs> on X-Men in general, which is easy to do. I will be doing a Dark <laughs> Phoenix episode and I think... Merjani and I are going to tie that in with another one of the previous X-Men movies. So if you're looking for more X-Men talk, we'll be back in about a month or so. I don't know. Dates. I don't have these things figured out <laughs> this far in advance, apparently. But Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Logan, because I don't know how I didn't do an episode on it already, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm just happy that we got an excuse to chat again, because I, uh, I felt very fulfilled after talking to you and Katie and Bajani the last time, I just love nerding out 
with people on this stuff. And I don't have a lot of people out in San Francisco, friends of mine, like I have a lot of friends that are into them, but not to the extent where I like to like theorize about so many things (laughs) and watch that type of stuff. So it's honestly, uh, Deanna, it's always a pleasure coming on and and chatting with you. And, you know, I know that we're going to talk more in the future, but hopefully before you see Dark Phoenix, you'll uh, check out the abomination that was apocalypse <laughs> i should because clearly i'm a little confused on some of the details yeah for this yeah stuff. absolutely just for that very reason you yeah. can check out that one seat of logan that we talked about that felt very shoehorned in right i think they added they actually added it in reshoots i believe just to tie it together gotcha but yeah no i i, I very much enjoyed talking logan and, and being a guest again thank you for having me of course and like you said you'll definitely be back on in the future and to our listeners, you can find us at Geekdom Pod on Twitter. Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.